people use, they laugh when I say this, but God informs me all the time, all day. That's prophetic. And so in that, you begin to practically walk it out in your lifestyle every day. Um, but it has to be practical. It can't just be spiritual. Welcome to Kingdom Unleashed. Our mission is to revive the church, unlock the fivefold, and equip the saints. The key to growing in the fullness of Christ is to continually expose yourself to the different fivefold ministry gifts. It is Leadership Month at the Fivefold Ministry Academy, and in this interview, we have leadership expert Dr. Ulf Spears on the channel. Dr. Spears lives in California in the United States and he is the founder and president of Strategic Leadership International, which is a consulting, coaching, mentoring, training organization that empowers emerging and seasoned leaders through seminars and trainings, coaching and so forth in order to change the leadership fabric of the planet. Wonderful, noble course. So in session one, we get into some of the backstory and then we jump into leadership elements like how the apostolic and the prophetic bring real life solutions to the real world. Dr. Spears shares how we can take spiritual realities, the relationship with God, to tap into the Lord's wisdom and bring real life solutions to the problems of our world. Let's dive in. Yeah, guys, it is uh, awesome for me to uh, be joined by Dr. Ulf Spears and uh, it's Leadership Month at the Fivefold Academy and so we are trusting to really impart uh, some inspiration for each one of us to move forward in our leadership ability and really take hold of 2024. So Dr. Spears, it is great to have you with me. Yeah, it's, it's great to be with you, Dr. Andre. I'm, uh, it's early here and uh, a little later there, so excited to, to do this with you. Yeah, it is great. So we, we normally start off by getting a bit of the backstory because when we know sort of the journey, we can really understand who you are and what you bring to to the table. So let's let's uh, jump in it into it. So what formed you as a leader, as a person? Take us back to some defining moments uh, of your life. Wow, um, I would say a defining moment was, um, believe it or not, my father leaving when I was a boy. And I was left as the head of the house at about the age of eight. And so I then had to take on responsibilities that I normally wouldn't have to. Um, I would say the next thing was when I uh, ended up leaving athletics because of different issues in, in college and then um, transitioning into ministry and business and, and uh, coaching and things like that. Um, I would also say uh, the final moment was being married. I was, uh, you know, an athlete in college, and um, I was also a, a Christian boy growing up in the Baptist church. And getting married, what it did was it put responsibility on me that I didn't have before as a single guy, as an as an athlete. And then the next one would be having children. Um, we have three girls, and uh, having to raise and be an example to uh, three young ladies um, has been quite, quite a challenge and, and quite a, uh, an honor uh, to do that. So I would say those um, are some defining moments in my life. Okay. Okay. No, that, that's awesome. No, definitely. I agree with the marriage, kids, 
<laughs> I always warn people when they're pregnant with the first one, it's like you have no idea. You have no yes. idea what the struggles you're going to go through. <laughs> so, uh, so you were like you you were a basketball player and uh, you know athlete. So take us but back to that and 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 the adversity you experienced and yeah. and you know um, unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah. So I was a, a inner city athlete. So I started off being a track athlete when I was in uh, grade school and middle school was an All-American, um, you know, what they call AAU here in the United States, athlete, very tall, long at a young age, um, was always athletic, um, was told at a young age that that was what was going to get me out of the inner city because I grew up in the inner city with a lot of poverty. And so I stuck with athletics. I was good at it. I uh, went through high school, was a high school all-state player in basketball, All-American um, in basketball, and then went on to the university um, to play um, basketball and be on, the, on a scholarship. So from, the, from that, I was uh, in about my second year, was a top 20 score in the nation in, at that university. And um, I was looking at being late first round, early second round NBA. And so I uh, ended up breaking my foot and having some adversity. And then during that time too, God was calling me to ministry. And so it was, it was a little bit frustrating on my part because <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to make money. I'm getting out of the inner city. I can believe. Yeah, because God, but God is calling me. So um, that shifted a lot. So I ended up leaving the university I was at, going to a Christian university, uh, majoring in psychology, did play basketball there, was still an All-American, you know, all-district, uh, all-regional player. And then from there, went, believe it or not, went to a Christian camp with my wife at the time. We got married during, uh, right before college or during college. And we went to a Christian camp and became kind of youth pastor. So that brought me into a life of youth pastoring and pastoring and shepherding for about 15, 17 years. So. Okay. That's, that's, that's awesome. So I, I presume that you could jump because I understand white men can't I can, jump. I can jump. I can jump. And I'm about <laughs> six, four, six, five. So I'm a big guy. People are like, Whoa, how big are two, how big are shooting guards? They're pretty big. <laughs> so six, I would four, love six, to see that. With a, with a high jumping ability. Uh, I cannot do that now though. <laughs> yeah, no, that is what happens with age. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so uh, you, you, when you went to college or you went to study, um, how did you experience like, you know, like as a black man, primarily amongst more, say, white folk, was that challenging to you? What did you learn in, 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 in that season or in seasons like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, that was a difficult season because I grew up in an environment where in a black community, but I also I, when I went into higher education, there's, a you know, white, lots of white people and I had to really get along. Um, so I learned, to be honest, I learned how to get along in that environment and very well. And then um, I did have some crisis of, of things I wanted to, I didn't really have role models that were African-American in my life, uh, not that many. And so I ended up getting some role models eventually, like, I don't know if you've heard of Miles Monroe. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. So legend, we, legend. Yeah, we used to go to his conferences, the Third World Conference over in the Bahamas back in okay. the day. And so we would, I just began to have ro some role models, you know, that, that are different nationalities, but I had none that were African-American or, or African. And so 
Um, I finally started kind of getting shaping my personality or letting the Lord shape my personality as a black man. It's interesting. Sometimes people don't think about the fact that as a Christian, you love the Lord, but then you have to have some kind of underlining uh, personality <laughs> to go with that as a, you know, as a black man. So I had to really learn how to uh, function as a Christian black man, not so much as a, you know, um, I would use the word neuter or, you know, neutral or, or even I couldn't be a, a, a white man because I wasn't, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, it was very interesting. So that crisis really brought me into a place where I began to follow a lot of Miles Monroe's teachings and leadership became kind of the center of who I was as, as a person. And everything I did was leadership. Every paper I wrote was on leadership. Everything I studied was leadership. And I just was taken by leadership. And to be honest, that's what put me on the path of being a leadership expert like uh, today. So, yes. Okay. And so, so, I mean, also you are playing a role often of like a diversity consultant, you know, mm -hmm. helping people in terms of how to, to engage in the complexities of, of different right. races or different colors. Mm -hmm. And so you, you still do that. You still involved with that. I do. I do. Matter of fact, the university that I'm at is a diverse uh, university. And so, bef but before I went there, I was a diversity consultant with presidents of universities that in the universities usually had Caucasian white male presidents. And so I, they would give me contracts and I would go in and sit down with them and talk with them and pray with them and um, repent with them <laughs> about things. And we would, um, you know, talk through what it really meant to, to be, uh, have a diverse university, a diverse perspective. And so that's how, I, you know, I started my consulting business at the time. And it, it was it went really well. I never uh, really publicized it a great deal. Um, I always it was relationships that were referred by other presidents. And they began to, I would come in sometime and, and train their leadership, their provost, their uh, vice presidents, their uh, uh, top faculty um, on diversity. And okay. diversity in a Christian, so it's also in a Christian university. So it's not just yes. university, Christian university. And so it was, it was interesting. It was difficult in I some instances, imagine. difficult in some instances. And then in other ways, it was very rewarding. Um, I ended up getting, I think with my university, uh, a top alumni award because of the work I did with oh, my, awesome. my, yeah, other, my, my former, uh, uh, my alma mater. So, okay, uh, that's awesome. Because yeah. I think, you know, my engagement with people who are, say, you know, different colors is like we tend to not understand the other person's role and how difficult it is for them, you know, coming from yeah. their culture, their community, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so I can just imagine the, 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 you know, your perspective, you know, and I think, yeah, that's for <laughs> white people sometimes don't understand yeah. the yeah. other side. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, I think that you're right. But I also think that uh, a lot of African-Americans or people of color don't always know how to break down those barriers. I, I think the goal is not to um, blame or to put you know, anything on, um, you know, the so maybe the Caucasian, the white um, leader, but really is to really be there to understand and be able to say, OK, now this is healthy. 
This is not. <laughs> this is this is prejudice. This is racism. This is not. And I never did that in front of people. So it never was a disrespect. Does that make sense? Yes. You, you know, a lot of people, they'll get out in front and they'll scream, which that's not my calling. <laughs> <laughs> they'll scream and they'll do stuff. Um, not me. I'll let somebody make a mistake in front of people. And then behind the scenes, I'll say, what were you doing? <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> what were you thinking when you said that? And they're like, I didn't know. I didn't know. I said, well, I'm letting you know behind the scenes where nobody is. So when you go out next time. <laughs> That's so good. Was, yeah. So I was a coach. I was an executive. So I think a more redemptive way uh, to go about that, to coach leaders and coach presidents of universities, white Christian leaders. That's what they were. White Christian CEOs or presidents of universities to be able to, like I said, repent with them laugh with them, uh, uh, you know, get along, let them learn to trust me and me trust them. And um, they would always say to me, though, why do you do this? And I said, well, because the, first of all, the Lord called me to do it. Hmm. I said, secondly, I'm, I'm going to laugh at this. I'm good at it. I'm trained for it. And I said, the next hmm. thing is, is I said, I really know you more than you think you, that I do. Because I grew yeah. up having to adapt to the culture. Yeah. So you breach builder. There you go. You understand. You understand right. both sides. So. Right, right. So I had. So I said. So I can anticipate what you're going to say, what you're going to do, what you're feeling, what you your defense mechanism. And yeah. so I decided. So then I know. I know when you're kind of fearful. Now, so this is funny. All of this stuff is not just my training. It's also the apostolic, the prophetic. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so it all kind of now flows together and it's not something that's in buckets. It's a part of the call. So I can so I can very quickly connect the dots and find out where somebody is. And then I'm able to use coaching to ask questions to be able to then um, really support and encourage and empower the leader. And so oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So I, I think sometimes people forget, you know, that the, there's a real enemy and the, and the mm -hmm. devil's plan is to divide, yes. whether it's race or theology or his mission is to break down marriages and families and churches and culture and people and nations, yeah. you know. And, and I think so, like, I like what you said, you know, it doesn't help to blame the other side. You know, it's like, no, you, you know, the, you're not a victim because the moment I think victim mentality comes, we right. find ourselves in a bad space. And I've just been telling myself this last season i refuse to have enemies <laughs> i refuse somebody so from somebody else somebody else's perspective might be i might be enemy or they might not like me i i have no enemies i refuse to have enemies i'm just gonna love people and i think that removes the fear have mm -hmm. you seen that in in your engagement that the, the fear factor obviously constrains relationships and, and causes people to, to to think and do stupid <laughs> I have. I have. And, and people and I'm glad you said that. Uh, 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 and I'll use this division is part of, you know, the spirit behind what we call prejudice or racism. But it's really to divide and it's really to get people in contention and everything. So it's a spiritual act that I'm doing when I'm working with these spirit, with these uh, Christian presidents. It's a spiritual yeah. act. And so I am literally there. It, you know, and I'll use this word because people don't use it a lot in these in these types of environment. I'm really dealing with a principality hmm. 
people don't see it as that. But I'm dealing yeah, with the physicality as an apostle, as a, as a prophetic leader, uh, as I'm dealing with these Christian university presidents. There's fear that comes when I, I can see it when it comes on. It's sometimes for, for you know, the group that I worked with, they will get fearful about money. They get fearful about how they were going to fund stuff that we talked about. So we, because there are different initiatives that they eventually had into had it come into their school that worked with minority students, and they were fearful about, oh, uh, I don't, I can't fund it. Da, da. And then when the money came in, they said, guess what? Seven hundred fifty thousand dollars just was donated for this program. We just we've been we've been praying about. And I'm like, look hey, at man. God, look at God. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so what it did was it took away all these fears of dealing with uh, minority of vision and, and unity and all these different things. There's a lot of fears around that, uh, how you'll be view, viewed in society, in your community, um, how you'll be viewed, you know, as it comes to fundraising as a pres, Christian, pres, Christian um, president of, uni, of a university, um, how you'll be seen among your colleagues that are mostly Caucasian white males. Um, when you start put, bringing these new fresh visions in and, you know, those kind of things. So it's um, it's 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 a spiritual act that people don't know. It's you're doing it naturally and you're doing it, you know, uh, by skill and coaching and consulting and all of that. So that's all there. You need to have that to be a professional. But there's also the spiritual element of saying, guess what? There's there has been in the past the vision that's come because people haven't recognized that it's real high level warfare. Yeah, absolutely. I think some we we sometimes think of work is just work, you know, and we we disconnect Sunday church from real life, and it's yeah. not disconnected. We should be we should be bringing in Christ into every environment to shift the atmosphere. Yeah. And so, how do you see the apostolic prophetic? Yeah. Um, you know, because one of the things I feel like the apostolic releases faith instead right. of fear. You know, it's one of the things I feel like, like the, the, the apostolic prophetic shifts the atmosphere. You know, even like you're saying that principalities as a, as a special authority. But anyway, give me give me a bit of what you how you see how you yeah. see that the in the in the fivefold. Yeah, yeah. So uh, as an apostle, <laughs> I uh, faith is like the one of the number one things that I I I walk in to be able to do what I do. And so you obviously the prophetic kind of informs you, but the faith is to if you believe God for whatever he wants done. And so um, I would say because this what I'm talking about is more marketplace in Christian kingdom type of marketplace stuff. So it inform, it, it really helps when I'm like I mentioned coaching. It really helps when I'm dealing with different um, resistant uh, parts of, let's just say, the staff or the faculty or the, the long-term vision that they're trying to adopt, because you're dealing with historical roots then too, right? So yeah. historical roots and things that might bring um, tension or really look to stop what God is trying to do. You, we're dealing with that as, an, as apostles and prophets uh, to really... Uh, un uproot that without destroying the organization isn't that interesting being very like what do you call it um being very strategic being very surgical yes um in how you do it so it's not just a plowing or a bulldozing it's really like surgery and so so you have to be strong and powerful and re 
kind of rewire, re, re, reroute, reboot. Um, uh, but you also have to preserve the good things that have been done, the right things that have been done. And yes. um, if not, then there's, you know, there it, it's not used. The wisdom is of, of the Lord is not being used. It's like, okay, we're going to bring in something new, but we're destroying the good things that have been done in the past. That's not what we want to do. We yes. want to be able to bring about a real change that's lasting, preserve what the good things, godly things that have been established and done. And then from there, be able to look toward the future, um, you know, and lay out some some future things that that need to be accomplished. So that's what I would say. Does okay. that help? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, it does. It does. I think like what you're saying also is, you know, like, like communism, one of the tenets of communism is to destroy. It wants, a, it wants a revolt. It wants rebellion. It wants to destroy everything and then build up supposedly, mm-hmm. you know, and we know obviously history of communism is terrible amount of people that had to die. So I love what you're saying, like, you know, that you build on the good. You don't come in to, to, to break down, although you break down negatives, but you build on the good and you, and I, and I just imagine some of the prophetic, you know, able to see in the spirit, you know, what yes. is happening in the spirit yes. and getting wisdom from the Lord on how to yes. actually tackle it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll speak to that. Um, it's interesting you say that because as, as an apostle, you have to be able to pioneer and you have to be able to move things and you have to be able to uh, have the authority and be able to have the be authorized to do certain things. But as a prophetic uh, person, you have to be able to detect things and then uh, be able to, through wisdom, uh, be able to die here. I'll use the word diagnose things and then be able to then bring a remedy. And so I don't think prophetic is always used like that. It's used more as a quickening or a word or this. I sometimes see the prophetic as wisdom. And yeah. not just being able to identify what's happening, I, diagnosing something, but being able to say, OK, what's the wisdom on how to get through this and how to build this and how to restore this and how to rejuvenate this and renew this. And um, to me, the Lord is, you know, the scripture in, in Acts, it talks about um, the Lord needed wisdom, basically. Then he and so he called the apostles and the prophets, <laughs> yes. you know, and so apostles and prophets came because God needed the wisdom in the earth. And so with that, I see the prophetic as an enabler to be able to take information and to be able to then practically apply it uh, for solutions in the earth. And so I always laugh at it because I I was like everybody else with the prophetic years ago where I just, you know, seek and say, prophesy and go this and that. And then I got into the marketplace and I, I really recognized that that's not how it worked. The way it worked was wisdom and knowledge. And you had to be able to apply it and it had to bring results. And, you know, people would say, well, you're very prophetic, but you don't like seem like you. that." I said, well, because I've already I've grown through all of those stages of the prophetic of, you know, quickening and, you know, praying in tongues out of control, falling out, jumping around, <laughs> screaming, <laughs> all the things that people do sometimes, you know, <laughs> dreams and visions and all those things are just became normal. Yes. And, and then I was able to then say, OK, how do I professionally go out in the community in an, an unbelieving community and um, also in, in believing communities and be able to to minister and at the same time do business, you know, and do mm-hmm. it with ethics and do it with integrity. And, you know, 
Uh, how do you do that? And so that's what I've over the years been basically refining, you know, and getting better at every day is being able to rep professionally represent the Lord as an apostle in not only the church, but also in the, in the marketplace. So, yeah. I love that. That, that that's really good. Um, I, I like what you're saying. Like, because sometimes, again, I think there's a disconnect between spiritual life and real life. And what you're mm -hmm. saying is, yeah. the authentic, mature, apostolic, prophetic should have mm -hmm. real results. Yes, you know, uh, real results in the real world. I love what you're saying in terms of solutions in the marketplace. And mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we're doing this recording at the end of. 2023, but we, we want to get into what, how are we going to tackle 2024? How, when, so, so how do we bring real world change, real life change into our workplaces, into our churches, into our homes? And so there's that, as you're saying, that, 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 that in the bridge, but how do you, how do you learn how to take that the spiritual and to bring it into like real life. Cause some people are just like pie in the sky, but Hey, mm -hmm. their lives are a mess. And, right. and, and is that, is that where you love the, you know, you have a passion for mentoring and coaching, yeah. uh, you know? Um, so take us through a little bit of that, you know, how do you yeah. navigate from the spiritual to the natural and the mentoring coaching kind of thing as well? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm what's called a scholar practitioner. And so my whole, way of doing things is to research what we call the concrete and then to be able to practically uh, take it and be able to use it in, in very practical ways. And so uh, I do the same things with spiritual things. And so, um, so say, you know, there's prayer that happens, there's the prophetic that happens, God is informed. I use it, people use it they laugh when I say this, but God informs me all the time, all day. That's prophetic. And so in that, you begin to practically walk it out in your lifestyle every day. Um, but it has to be practical. It can't just be spiritual. Okay. So spiritual, yep. it's something that's immaterial, spiritual. So you have to be able to, how does you move it from immaterial to spiritual? I mean, from spiritual, immaterial to practical, natural is we have to see ourselves as the vehicle of God to move these things into the earth. Yes. Yeah. 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 I people don't, they don't, they don't always think like that. They think that mm -hmm. you just have to, it's leave it in the spiritual and there's you separate it. No, we're the vehicle that carries his presence and carries his wisdom into the earth, into our jobs every day, into our families every day, into our relationships every day. And so if that is true, then I'll begin to speak now about mentoring and coaching. Then we become these vessels of wisdom and solutions for people in mentoring and coaching. Isn't that yes. interesting? Yes. And so, now, so now we stand and sit before people and coaching them with solutions and answers to what they're asking. And so, yeah. you know, people are like, well, you got to, you know, you can't do that. That's, there's nothing. No, that's, that's God. God is wisdom. God is the one who gives us and informs us about what people need, you know, and I think it's a scripture in, in uh, Psalms 139. It talks about he wrote everything in his book, you know, and I always tell people prophetically, we really prophesy out of that book. God reveals that for real prophets Amen. and real apostles. We don't come from some other weird place, you know, ominous, dark place. We come from the script, from the book on people's life that God allowed us to have access to because he trusts us.
Yeah, you know? so the Lord, the Lord, the Lord gives one the edge. Eh? We have access to unlimited knowledge and insight, yes, uh, and even into the future, yes, uh, which is, is just mind blowing to think. It is, it is. So, so that whole coaching, mentoring piece is really just a facilitation mode and tool to get God's wisdom to people. So, so. so pre- so practically, how do you how do you how do you go by that? If you would, how do you tune into the voice of God? You know, is it because of your prayer time early in the morning? Is it something you've developed over time? Give us maybe the practical side of things in terms of how do we how do we tune into the voice of God or into that you know God's wisdom? Just something that you apply maybe in your life. Yeah. So it's one word: yield. Yield. And it's a really tough thing for, and I, I'm going to say this for my own self, for me as a dude, <laughs> me as a guy. So I grew up when I was younger in prayer meetings with lots of women. And so they would be praying and you know, you, I'll, you're going you're to laugh at this. But they'd be purging and, you know, bucking and ah, Jesus. Ah. But I asked the Lord, I said, well, I said, I'm not a woman. <laughs> I'm a man. And so what do they have that I don't have? And he just said real, very clearly, yielding. You're not used to yielding. You're used to being the one that's pushing it forth and initiating and all this. And he said, and he just said to me, you're, I'm the initiator. You're the yielder. Oh, yes, that's good. I was like, oops. I said, so, and I had to ask him, how do you yield? (laughs) I don't know how to yield. And so I've been practicing yielding for years now. So for me, hearing the voice of God is not hard. I just yield. The Lord's just, he just, I yield and he informs me about stuff. And people say, well, you know, shouldn't you have some kind of quickening? I mean, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. A lot of times it's just, I've gotten used, and this is going to be very interesting. I've gotten used Quickening for me has, and and I'll use the word quickening, but also I use the word um, um, for, so from I had to turn quickening into a lifestyle, an unction into a language. I had to, the language had to be turned into some kind of dialogue and vocabulary. So I couldn't stay at quickening. I had to turn it in as I, over time, I had to build it into part of my life. It had to be part of who I am 24-7. I saw a quote the other day to say the apostolic is somebody who lives 100% in mission. That's, that's my life. I want to live 100% in my, the mission and calling of my, my commission in life is to raise up leaders, high-level leaders in his body. And, you know, and that's a way in which we bring in uh, those to Christ. That's the way in which we prepare people to lead on behalf of the Lord. But I had to literally, so yielding, and then all the stuff I just mentioned had to be developed from an utterance to a language, to a vocabulary. And then eventually that's how a lot of my books and things like that came out was I had to learn the language of, of the Lord for what he called me to do. So. That's good. Yeah. So, so in terms of what you say, like quickening, is that what you say? Is that the encounter with God, like yes. the moment with yes. the moment with God, and then, 
isn't playing out. It can't stay at the encounter. It needs to become a lifestyle, change your way of thinking, yes. change your way of speaking, living, and then implementing it in, yes. in, in, in your life. Yes. Yeah. No, you, I think you're one of the first people to, to, to follow me on that. <laughs> some people say, you're kind of crazy. I, Cause I don't ever, I, I don't often, I can't often talk like this around people because it's so people don't have the combination that you talked about of the natural, the spiritual, they're, they're pl either playing on one or the other side. They don't get it. They're missing it. You just grabbed hold of kind of the whole, the fullness of what I just, what, what happens. So, cause people talk about the quickening or the unction or whatever that comes with the prophetic. And I always would, I was always left like, is that it with God? And then after a while, I'm like, how does this thing stay with me? Yes. And then I, and I, so I'm a question guy. So I'll just ask God questions. Okay. Okay. This is how it stays with me. How do I develop it? Okay. How do I develop? It? Okay. How does it become part of who I am? Hmm. And then from there, okay, not just part of who I am. It brings success in my life and success for you. And it's a, it's a good witness for you. And, and how do I embody it and live it? How do I pass it on to mentees? Yeah, how that's a good question. You see what I'm saying? So that's how I normally, as a, as a researcher, as a doctor, I learned that just lots of questions are the thing that help to move and open the doors that, the, that need to be opened. And that's connected, I think, to what you're saying, like you're on mission, you have a mission to to see transformation, to see change in community or in people's lives. And so it can't stop just with the encounter or the quickening. It can't stop just with having an encounter or a prophecy. It needs to it needs to transition. And I think for us standing at, you know, at the start of 2024, for those watching now, you know, that I think that is something we can take with us to say, Hey, how do, let's, let's transition this. Let's make it a goal for our lives. Let's take, obviously pursue God. Like you're saying, yield. I love that. I think women tend to yield easier than men, I think. So I think that's what comes easier. I'll, I'll to let you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We boys need, we need help. We need help. We but then, then and, and if we could make this year, like a goal for us today, let's, Let's yield more to the Lord. Let's have those quickening moments. Let's have those moments with God. But then let's get on mission and see an outplay of God's wisdom and goodness and glory into the workplace or the church or community or wherever he calls us to be. So that is great. So thank you, uh, Dr. Ulf. We're going to continue in the, in the next session. All right. Thank you. That was a superb warm-up for our leadership discussion, but it's the next session that will really speak to you. Don't miss this next session. Dr. Spears shares about healing the leadership soul and how he went through a midlife crisis where he almost lost his wife and kids. You need to hear this. It will help you heal your soul and bring healing to others. For more content like this, subscribe to the channel. And if the interviews help you, please share it with others. Click on the next session on the end screen for part two of the interview with Dr. Ulf Spears.